the podcast with everything paranormal. This is the 222 Paranormal Podcast with your hosts, Jen and Joe. What's up, my listeners? So. Yes, finally. We have been trying to get this gentleman, Tim Woolworth, on our show. And we see him at conventions and we see him out out (laughs) about town. He is a man about town, let me tell you. I start walking up to him (laughs) and... Every time he just turns around and runs. I don't know, I know. what the heck the deal is. Your face scares him every time. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> finally, finally. The man, the myth, the legend. After Tim Woolworth. Five years of doing this. Real applause. Tim Woolworth is with us, duct taped to the chair. <laughs> I am, and I hope you have some gooby gone because I can't have this duct tape residue on me when I get home. <laughs> Where have you been yes. tonight? Exactly. <laughs> Honey, you wouldn't know. You would not. What are you doing again? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's a blast finally being I here. I know. Yeah. Isn't it great to be back at conventions again? Oh, my goodness. It feels so yes. good. It really does. It's, well, it's great. It's like a family reunion, right? Because like, we see everybody at all the shows, and then you're apart for like almost... A year? A year and a half, <laughs> yeah. maybe. And it, it's just great to see everybody. Again, good to see you again. Glad you're well. Still on this plane with us, right? Yeah, I'm glad. Same for you guys. I mean, we've all had our ups and downs over the last year. but yeah, for yeah. sure. Now, during the pandemic, did that give you an opportunity to do more of what you do with the in? Yeah, so Tim does ITC communication, and he's really digging deep into it, a lot deeper than other people. And it's basically your life study. For the most part, yeah. yeah. Can you tell our listeners who are not familiar with what that is, exactly what it is? Please. Yeah. Oh, I saw some cute shoes on the lady over there. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. ITC stands for uh, Instrumental Transcommunication. Basically, it is the use of any third-party device to record communication with a discarnate consciousness of an unknown origin. More importantly, you're able to review this third-party instrument um, for communication. And it can be reviewed by independent third parties. So, for example, we're here at this wonderful Bigfoot Con today, and we're recording this on a Zoom recorder. Mm -hmm. The Zoom recorder is a third-party instrument. It doesn't care about us. It's independent. So in ITC, we're looking for devices that are like this Zoom recorder we're recording on. So, for example, with EVP, you put down a recorder, it records the room. You have no influence over the voices that may come through on the EVP. Or in other examples, uh, what I mainly study and what I've cut my teeth on for the last 12, well, 13 years now, ghost box communication, um, where I'm using an independent device that voices erupt forth and foster two-way communication. Who we're communicating with, we don't know. The only thing that we know is it's intelligent communication and they're willing to respond to us um, and sometimes answer our questions and other times, well, tell us to F off. We just never know what we're going to get. Is there a certain device that is easier for the other dimensions or spirits or ghosts or whatever word you want to call them to use? Say, for example, a magnetic cassette tape, or is digital easier? Have you found in your experience anything is more prevalent or just an easier way for them to communicate? Well, what I've always thought is that whenever we dedicate ourselves to a certain 
modality of communication with the other side, the other side adapts to it. Oh, okay. So, for example, with the first EVPs that were recorded by Valdemir Borgoros back in like 1903 in Siberia, he was using an Edison, uh, uh, the Edison recorder, the, the phonograph with oh, the wax roll okay. that yeah, goes yeah, around yeah. and around mm-hmm. and around. That's what the EVP actually was. It goes around and around and around. Mm-hmm. That was the EVP that was actually recorded that, wow. uh, talking about the device he was using. Wow. Oh, okay. um, but then you flash forward to the 1950s um, where you had Anton von Zelay and Raymond Cass, and they did the they had the first recorded intentional EVP, where Cass was sitting in a uh, in basically a medium's box, and he had a microphone in the box that went to a speaker, and they were trying to get spirits to talk to him through the medium box, and they had a, a record recorder that had a microphone hooked up to the speaker, so they're trying to record EVP. Eventually, they did, but it took Cass getting excuse me, took Von Zelay getting out of the box and then all of a sudden an EVP erupts forth and they recorded oh. it and it was published by the American SPR in 1955, I think. And then in 1957, you have Jurgensen who comes along who's recording bird songs outside of his window in Sweden and he gets this voice that just comes through and it's, he said it sounded like it was carried by the wind on the leaves and so he tried to duplicate it and the way he duplicated it was by adding radio static to is reel to reel and all of a sudden this white noise became kind of like the background that everybody used to record EVP right up until the digital age so we're talking like Radova we're talking Sarah Estep we're talking Raymond Cass all of these people uh, William Roll all of these people who were recording EVP they always added a little bit of white noise to it and then we get to the digital age in the digital age, we're trying to record EVP on digital recorders. And it starts out with this little Panasonic 4-bit piece of crap <laughs> that does nothing but create digital noise. And EVP starts erupting forth on it. Yeah. And then we get these cleaner EVP recording devices. But what most people don't realize with these cleaner devices is they have integrated circuits inside. And integrated circuits are inherently noisy. Okay. And these the circuitry is actually, the noise from the circuitry is filtered out, but it's creating white noise on the background. Then we get to IT, this, what I study in ITC, ghost boxes, where we're bringing in all this radio static. You know, it started in 2002. Now we're in the, now we're in the day and age of apps, where once again, Spirit is adapting to the modality to communicate through apps, and these apps, once again, they're used on devices that have integrated circuits, and these integrated circuits are helping to create the noise in the background. So I think Spirit will always adapt, Yeah. but you're, for audio ITC, you're always going to need some kind of noise for them to work with. Really? Yeah. So do you feel that they can manipulate the static to make the sound or yes. it's just being carried through? Well, it's, it's the static is kind of a carrier wave. There's something called stochastic resonance. Okay. So stochastic resonance is where you have a background noise and a carrier wave. Okay. So think about the best way to think about it. You have a chorus. Yeah. You see a chorus on stage. They're all unmiked. And then all of a sudden you go into a soloist. And you can hear the soloist fine. Okay. But then when the chorus comes up behind the soloist, the soloist rides above them. And you can hear them even though the soloist is at the same volume. Mm -hmm. The frequencies match and they become much louder. So a bumblebee, you can hear, you know, a meter in front of your face going 
but you can hear a bumblebee hive from tens of meters away okay. because uh, because you have the background noise and the wings all flapping together at a frequency and it becomes much louder. Oh. So what we think is that whatever, whatever way that spirit is trying to find a way to communicate with us, it's using the noise that's around us. And in EVP, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, idea of transform EVP where the room noise is manifested. Okay. And basically what's happening is whatever energy they're sending forth, whether it's vocal, whether it's mental, whether it's some kind of energy we can't even register, what's happening is it's meshing with that background noise. And then it rises up and can somehow transduce into the devices that we're using. They're okay. adapting to that modality. And some of the progenitors of ITC, like Mark Macy and Constantine Radova, they were getting communications from the other side saying they were working on commu- on devices on the other side to help build the bridge between our world oh, and really? theirs to make communication clearer. Uh-huh. It's incredible. Who would ever imagine? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? It's insane. Yeah, because there's so many times when, you know, we, we're out ghost hunting and then we're using our spirit box, which mm-hmm. is what we have. And I'm always saying, this is just an invention that we made. It's not black magic. It's, it's something we made. But by you saying that kind of makes me think that they already know that. Yeah. You know, they already understand that we're just trying to use devices to communicate with them. Yeah, and, you know, it depends on how deep into the woo-woo you want to wade, but, you know... All the way, to <laughs> All the way into the woo. <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you look at basic, you know, Einsteinian... Einsteinian, sorry. I'm thinking like Flintstones here for some reason. <laughs> but Einsteinian uh, physics, all moments in time are happening at the exact same time. So not only is your incarnation in your body now, but it could also be the spirit incarnation on the other side. And it knows what you're doing right now. Yeah. It's happening at the exact same time, and it's trying to help you communicate with the other yeah. side. That's so interesting. How often do you um, do that? Are you doing that like on a daily basis? Like oh, turning the box on and just not sitting an- and listening? Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do it quite frequently, but not as frequently as before because I get so much damn communication through these boxes because I have really high-end boxes that very few people in the world have that just to examine a minute of audio takes about 30 minutes. Just one minute of audio to fully dissect. Uh So when I do a session, I don't put my sessions past like four minutes at most. And I found that most of the information that you're going to get out of a session happens within that first four minutes. And then at the very end, what I always do is I say, I'm going to hang up now. And then I give them a countdown. I go three, two, one, give them a chance to put in their last whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, what some of the cool things are is I'll do a countdown. I'll say three, and then they'll say two. Uh, And then, you know, and then at the end, I'll say one, and they'll say end or something like that. Or most often, what they'll do is they'll say, don't go yet. And they try to keep you on the line. Like it's, uh, and you never get anything when they do that. They just kind of try to string you along for communication. The purpose behind that, I don't know. Okay. You had communications with anything that wasn't originally human? Yes. Okay. Um, quite a few times. I've, I've had communications with what I believe are alien entities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recorded them. Uh, they're on the website. They're on YouTube where they send things, say things like, we're sent by the ship, we come to Earth, wow. Pleiades, that, all this fun stuff. Uh, and there are other voices that come through that are kind of ethereal, sing-song, really? just uh, like okay. it, it, they're choral singing voices, which is just absolutely insane. But it's like they're singing to you. 
and it's almost I, best way I can describe it is angelic. I don't okay. really believe in angels, but it's kind of like what you would picture angelic to be. And there was this, uh, oh, geez, his name's going to jump right out of my head. <laughs> but there's this researcher who recently died in Italy, and he had he was doing tube-based radio ITC for 50 years. Wow. He would turn to an interfrequency, which is a frequency between two channels. So mm -hmm. it'd just be the static frequency on a tube radio. He'd get two or three of these in the room and he'd play them at once and voices would erupt from the static and he would bring in people every week to his lab. He'd, I think it was mm -hmm. somewhere between 20 to 40 people and they'd sit down Oh man, his name is just right there on the tip of my tongue. It's yeah. M A R Marcello Bacci. Marcello okay. Bacci. Marcello um, Bacci. Marcello Bacci. Marcello Bacci. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he would bring in people that wanted to speak to their loved ones, and the loved oh, ones would come through. Okay. And he did this publicly for 50 dang years. Wow. So it it doesn't matter what you're trying to communicate with on the mm -hmm. other side what wants to come through is going to come through whether it's someone you've known whether it's an entity that was never of this earth whether it is a technician mm -hmm. whether it is whatever these people who sing in choruses are we just don't know yeah now i always wonder about when you go to a location we recently had this we went to a location and the spirits on the other side don't speak english okay like, how do you you know it's like you want to communicate with them, but what if they don't understand English? Like, you know, and we don't all speak multiple languages. Like, have you ever had, like, something come through that you wanted to communicate and they wanted to communicate, but, like, maybe you didn't speak Russian or German or Chinese or so whatever it was? One of the interesting things that I've found is when I get communications in a different language, it's either a language that I understand a little bit of, like French, mm -hmm. or if I'm in the room with somebody who speaks the language. So like I can be with somebody who speaks German and, I, and German will start coming through on the box. Okay. But I've never been in a situation where I would be, where someone coming through would be speaking Russian and someone in the room didn't speak some kind of oh, Russian. Okay. That's never yeah. occurred to me ever. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was just wondering, because Joe and I went to this, um, uh, the Black Cross, and it's a location where uh, it was a mass grave, and they, they were immigrants. And I took my Google Translate out and was trying to communicate with them, right, in their native language. Uh, because I was like, I, I wanted to be respectful if they didn't understand English, right? So, but I, I was uh, fascinated, like, what comes through? Like, what if what, what if an alien language comes through? How, how would we interpret it? Interpret interpret that so like Constantine Radova the guy who wrote the book called breakthrough that basically brought EVP to the Western world changed everything that we do is based on Radova because Sarah Eastep picked up his work formed the American Association of EVP and that's why we're all recording EVPs these days it's because of her work based directly on Radova Radova spoke six or seven languages so he would get um, I believe he called them interglottal uh, interglottal um, communications where he would get a sentence that could be in four different languages but they're all languages he understood wow. and that's something that um, has been prevalent in EVP since day one that the language is going to be in a way you can understand it or someone who's with you or someone you're really close with can understand it yeah I always wondered because like when you are getting you know sometimes getting spirit messages it always comes over in English <laughs> Yeah. Like, it, I just wonder if it just on the other side translates to what you understand. I think most everything that comes through the other side, 
is based on the consciousness that we are investigating under that lens of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you think that you're walking into a place and there's a demon, you're going to get demonic communications. If I walk into the same place and think that there's a little kid named Billy, a little kid named Billy may show up because we create most of the hauntings that we go into. Yeah. And it's, uh, that's one of the things that so many people in the paranormal don't even realize that, you know, you walk into a place and there's a legend of a boy named Billy and everybody asks after Billy, guess what's going to start showing up yeah. on your recorders? Right. Yeah. What, there's a name for that. What is that? We did a show on it, but I can't remember. Did we? I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, there's tulpas and egregores. That, yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, tulpas, that's something that you create in your mind, but what you're saying is if... No, a tulpa, you not, you not only create it in your mind, but it becomes physical reality. Yeah. Egregore is where several people believe in something and oh, make it yeah, into yeah, a physical yeah. reality, okay. such okay. as the Philip experiment, for example. Right, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said you have, a, I would guess, I don't know if this is where you use, like a high grade of this box, or you said you, you have... One of the top boxes in the country. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. Today, <laughs> have people come forward and wanted to basically, I don't want to say hire you or or, or rent you <laughs> to um, I come, come cheap oh, <laughs> and fast. No, have people reached out to you to um, come in and, and bring your equipment out to maybe Tattoo use it shops. in. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, maybe solve a crime or or oh, connect on a missing persons case or, or something along that line. No one's ever tried to bring me in for something like that. Yeah. I've tried a couple of experiments that, you know, mm -hmm. it didn't really amount to anything. The coolest experiment I had was uh, a friend who died a few years ago. And he was close friends with a guy who was in hospice. So we did this uh, interesting experiment that unfortunately will always remain unpublished because uh, my friend died and we didn't yeah. get the rights to use his voice or oh, anything. Yeah. But uh, what happened was the guy in hospice, he had three different questions with very specific answers. Now my friend who was his contact, it was down in Ohio, mm -hmm. he knew the questions and the answers. I only knew the questions. Okay. So, um, and there was another another person in Florida doing the experiment at the same time, and she knew the questions and the answers. So I was kind of the blind person okay. in the study. Mm -hmm. So the, the man who, who was in hospice said, I will only communicate within 24 hours of my death. Oh. So I instantly got the call 20 minutes after he died, and he's like, you can do the experiment whenever. He just passed. So I did the session, and I, and I got all the answers Wow! from the other side. That's cool. That's incredible. <laughs> it really was. Wow. It's interesting because, like, you know, like, when my dad, our dad died, he knew about ghost hunting and, and the paranormal, and he loved Bigfoot and all that. And we're like, okay, Dad, if you can, come back and give us a sign. And haven't had it yet, but, you well, know. we don't know. I mean, well, yeah. there's the... Was the day or the day after the day had passed, mom went home, and in between the kitchen and the living room, where the pantry would be, there was like a wall, like a three-foot wall, and she has had a um, wooden pumpkin hanging on it, and she said that it bounced for a good 10 minutes, and she stood there, looked at it, and looked at it, you know, so we don't know if he had any communication. There's been a few things that happened since then, too, but... 
um, I never thought we we never tried to do EVPs of that. Yeah. So like, my, you know, like when somebody dies inst- that soon, and then you're trying to communicate, you just wonder. If, I always thought like when you pass, you would have to go through some kind of like maybe training or ritual to be able to know how to communicate to the other side. But your friend knowing that you have this equipment, he would be ready, right? Well, not only that, like Frank Sumption, the man who invented ghost boxes, he always swore up and down, I'm never coming through, I'm never going to talk to these people. He came through for me 12 hours after he died. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So he didn't keep his word? No, he didn't. Uh. <laughs> Maybe it was just so exciting over there <laughs> on the other side that he's like, but now, I'm I mean, going to let you guys know, right? Next month will be seven years since he passed, and he almost always shows up. Wow. Yeah. Do, so when you do this, do so you have repeat, I want to say speakers, but do you have the same spirits coming through all the time or is it always random or well, is it most directed? Of, well, most of the time it's random mm-hmm. and a lot of the times it's not even a conversation that's directed towards you. It's like this burble we have in the background okay. right now. Uh-huh. So you'll hear like a conversation between two people that's just going and going and going and I call that the cafe effect mm-hmm. where yeah. basically you're kind of hearing something and, and that you're just kind of eavesdropping in on a, in a mm-hmm. cafe, for example. Other times there will be communications that happen directly with you. And a lot of these communications that happen directly with you are of the same voice. Now, like Frank, he comes through all the time. For a long time, I had a little boy come through that I used to do a lot of work at Ford, Ontario. And uh, I established a relationship with him there. And he followed me to Michigan uh, and talked to me here for probably the first three or four years and then kind of just went off on its way. But more importantly, we have techs, technicians. And these are people who not only show up for me, but the same voices, same names show up for different ghost box researchers all around the world, like Walter and Tom, Stephanie, uh, Michael. Tom is my big one. And... uh, we don't know who they are. We just know that they show up and they sometimes function as an interface between the spirit world and our world. So you'll hear things like, I'll say something and then Tom will say it to them on the other side. You can actually hear him saying it through the box. Oh, really? And then he'll, then he'll tell them things like step up and talk and things like that. They kind uh, of interface. It's wow. really weird. That's cool. We call them technicians, and that's based actually, once again, off the work of Radova, where he recorded an EVP that said, technician will come to make the signal stronger. So we've called them techs since. Nice. (laughs) That is so cool. Have you ever um, had any famous people come through? Uh, Like, I would say, like, celebrity fame, right? I don't. I'm you don't really not, like reach out to like I don't do that all this <laughs> I, I mean the problem with okay there are people who focus strictly on celebrity and there's yeah. a reason for that yeah one it's in the zeitgeist at the time everybody's interested everybody's searching everybody's googling their death when you have something that proclaims it hey i've reached celebrity x on my youtube channel all of a sudden i get four million hits that translates to a lot of money and some of the people who are doing this in the field it has been found that they are simply parsing together interviews that have happened throwing it into a software that has their name on it Uh and then they're just basically playing it back 
and you gotcha. know people yeah. are doing this and making money hand over fist and basically pulling the wool over the eyes of the public those of us who are in the field know how it's happening but our voice is small because we're a little secular group and yeah. we stick to ourselves yeah. meanwhile the rest of the world is just being a fed a line of bs that's just it's terrible it's for the, the field money. it is it's and terrible you, for the field you yeah. run into that no matter what you're into i mean we see that so often with the paranormal field and all that and it's the people that are on the background that are sitting back and just doing their thing that are the true researchers mm -hmm. you know it's like it just happens all the time where you know we always just use the spirit box you know it's just what we're used to and you kind of it's almost like a trained thing where you got to train yourself to realize what you're hearing whether it's a radio station or whatever but there's so many other types of equipment like i heard one time you were talking about visual with the yeah. tvs mm -hmm. can you explain that to our listener a little bit oh yeah the uh, schreiber loop it it Klaus schreiber in the 80s um created what he called the visual itc looping so what he did is he basically had a a tv that was tuned to static so visual white noise we're taking audio white noise out of it mm -hmm. we're using visual white noise filming it the film's going out into a vcr recording out into another vcr out into another vcr then fed back into the tv oh. and sometimes you use a red light or a blue light and basically as it goes through this looping and as the visual audio starts to use the stochastic resonance mm -hmm. full shapes start to appear full oh, wow. faces landscapes just insane things that should never appear out of a tv screen that's just looping static wow yeah i've heard because i heard you on a different show talking about that and it was blowing my mind how and so i thought okay well, let me look at a tv but it's not really like that you're not just staring at a tv you're actually interplaying with that tv yes you are it's just it was blowing my mind when you were saying that because you said the same thing there were landscapes and everything appearing and i thought no that's that's pareidolia you're looking at what you want to see but and then the more i listened to you talk about it it made sense that no things were actually sh showing up you know? well it's not only tv i mean visual resonance is also occurring in uh, bowls of water Bowls of water have been used for scrying yes. since the dawn of time. Yeah. You think, yeah, you look at someone like Nostradamus, who got all of his predictions from a fishbowl of water. <laughs> he was scrying entire visions. It's that, that the little bit of candlelight playing with the lapping water, and you get that visual stochastic resonance. Um, so there are people all over the world who are practicing this, where you get a camera and a light and a little way to agitate, mm -hmm. and you're getting full faces of not only humans, but also things that could be likened to animalistic or demonic, just shapes that are mm -hmm. forming while it's being filmed. Uh, there's a group in France who's doing it with steam, and what they do, or fog, and what they're doing is they're creating fog and then running ultrasound or infrasound through the fog. Oh. And it's shimmering it to the point where you're with lights and you're getting full figured apparitions showing up in real time. I mean, the technology that's happening in the world of ITC right now is unfreaking real. A good buddy of mine, Keith Clark, who's in the field, he is uh, he's adapting computer AI to uh, basically pick up sounds from the room and tr start to transcribe it into voice. Wow. I mean, we're going we're on the threshold of a new dimension in recording it's that's incredible yeah it's like um pioneering you're pioneers of it right i 
you know, all the time, all the time in the paranormal, we're always pioneering. We're always moving things forward. The paranormal field is, you know, 140 years old from basically when it first started getting really studied. Yeah. And I mean, modern science hasn't been applied to it for over for about 60 years, and now we're getting into ITC, which is less than two decades old. I mean that. I mean, yeah, who knows where it's going to wind up in the next hundred years. Yeah, We've got sure. Dr. Gary Schwartz out at the University of Arizona who's been working on a spirit communication device at the university where right now he's getting um, positive yes-no responses through his device that he's worked years on. And he envisions within the next 30 to 40 years being able to manifest these beings from the other side so you could actually get the ghost of Einstein on stage to talk to somebody. That's where he thinks it's going to be in 40 years. That would be incredible. Yeah. With uh, like 3D printing and everything? or No, just physical manifestation. Physical. okay. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's pie in the sky, but, you know, I've got to believe in some of the work that he's doing. Yeah, but I mean... He's the chair of the psychiatry department there. If you, if you were out in even the 30, well, probably even the 20s, and you said everybody's going to be walking around with a communication device in their pocket that could do anything, you'd say, no, no, no way. But that's what he's doing now. He's yeah. studying. Look at the Apple Watch. Like 50 years ago on Star Trek, they had the, yeah. <laughs> the thing, and now we have it. Well, that's, right? one, of the, that's <laughs> one of the funnest sides that I've noted over the years is that our shows like Star Wars and Star Trek, they those shows introdu- introduced engine growing up engineers to possible technologies, yeah. mm-hmm. and we're manifesting the technology back to what they saw in the shows where they were growing up. Yeah. So think of what's happening in the shows today and what we're going to wind up with. All of a sudden, <laughs> okay. this is how we're getting our rocket ships from Elon Musk and Bezos and all of these people. Mm-hmm. That's how we're getting... Uh, you know, FaceTime on your Apple. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. that's straight out of Star Trek. Well, I'm getting Wonder Woman's invisible jet. Okay? <laughs> I'm claiming it right now, Tim Walworth. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, have you ever had been in your communication with anything and, and maybe it opened a portal for something to come in? Have you ever had any type of paranormal poltergeist or shadow entities come through and maybe attach to you or or well that's one of the fun things that is never really discussed in the paranormal mm-hmm. is when you look at the paranormal field when you start to examine things that are preternatural the paranormal field looks back and sometimes you're not going to like it when it looks back at you so if you are a ghost hunter all of a sudden you may find yourself haunted yeah if as a, an ITC researcher, every place I walk into, I know I'm going to find things that are falling off shelves mysteriously. There's going to be shadow people. There's going to be clanging. Wherever I move, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen. Now, like, for example, my wife is, she is a scientist. I mean, post you know, PhD, two postdocs, she is just straight-minded science. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really buy into what I do because, you know, science hasn't looked at it. But... I had a, one of my ghost boxes, it was a modified radio sitting downstairs one day, and we're just sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden it turns on. And she's like, okay, that's gotta go upstairs. It's gotta go with the rest of your stuff. It's going in your office, your but, man cave. But uh, 
to directly address your question, yes, I've had a lot of things that have happened. The one that really sticks with me, it sticks with me because, for two reasons. One, because it showed how naive I was at the time. And two, it demonstrates a major mistake that I made. So I figured, you know, it was cut and dry. I turn on the box, they're gone. I turn off the box, they're gone. You know, yeah. it's me right. and my world, they're mm -hmm. in their world. Right, right. They have no more influence over our world. Well, about 2010, I was at a place that had never been ghost hunted before, and it was the, a mansion of a guy who died on the Titanic. He was a Pittsburgh steel magnate. Oh, okay. So after he died, this mansion had been uh, basically left in his family, and his son sold it off to some church and they had a bunch of cabin cabins put on the property and whatnot and the mansion was fine the cabins were fine for ghost hunting so at the caretaker's house about three quarters of a mile down the road so the ghost team i was at was with was very large and um, we were doing shifts that night and down at this caretaker's house they kept saying wait for tim wait for tim he's going to come talk to you so when, as soon as I walked down to that house, I was the last one, my group before was the last one in the house for that night. I go down there and it, as soon as I enter the door, I'm holding a mag light in my hand, all of a sudden it starts flashing like crazy and my whole oh my arm God. goes cold. I'm Aww. like, oh wow, this is, neat. This is go. gonna be a good one. <laughs> so we sat down to do EVP and it was like this burble in the background. That's what we kept hearing. I sent out two of the members to walk all the way around the house. I mean, it was just the caretaker's house and the mansion, three quarters of a mile up the road, and then just woods everywhere. Okay. But we're just hearing this like breakthrough burble in the background, nothing succinct, but you knew there was communication happening. So do my EVP session, blah, 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 start a ghost box session. All of a sudden I start getting, I'm shot, I'm hit, they're after me, Cherry Valley. And what had happened was, it was either Cherry Hill or Cherry Valley, I can't remember, but it was a Cherry Hill or Cherry Valley massacre. It happened seven miles from there. It's where the British had hired, uh, paid the Mohawk tribe to basically slaughter Revolutionary wow. War soldiers. Oh and they were coming through. So I made a critical mistake. I'm like, I started a crossover session, which I've written about ad nauseum. And right when I started it, the lady who was putting on the event, she walked in the door, she's like, it's two o'clock, time to pack up, we gotta go. And I said, then I made the mistake, I'm like, hey guys, I'm gonna turn on my box tomorrow, I'll find you then, let's talk. And all of a sudden, I was enveloped in cold, all the way up to my car, walking up the hill, flashlights going crazy in my hand. It's a balmy August night. It's like 78, 80 degrees out. I'm measurably like eight degrees colder. Wow. Just in a circle of cold. They tried Reiki, they tried crystals, all of this stuff. And I'm like, I've got a damn attachment. Oh, shit. So for the next three days, I could do nothing. I oh. slept for like 22 hours a day. I couldn't even bring myself to have the energy to turn on the box to finish that session that I wanted to do. And then on the third day, I passed out again. I'm in my recliner and I collect African masks. One of the masks that was on the wall. So if you basically, if you're reclining and it's the opposite wall across from your feet. So during that doze, I have no idea how many hours it was, that mask had come off the wall to six feet in the middle of the room and it rotated 90 degrees. That was them saying goodbye. The attachment was gone after that fact. Oh, wow. But basically I made the mistake thinking that they couldn't influence my world. And number two, that I had asked them to linger on, which was another huge mistake. So yes, things can happen. Yeah. What do you do to protect yourself now from that? 
Oh, uh, I smoke crack and make packs with Satan. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the pentagrams on the forehead. Right. Now, basically what I do is just a quick visualization where I draw a light in and okay. done. Okay. Um, when I get in deep into my sessions, I'm kind of like an electronic medium. I will close my eyes. I've practiced automatic writing my entire life, so I actually let them use my right hand to oh. dial in their communication in real time. Okay. So I'm playing the machine like an instrument. And uh, basically I go into a trance state and basically regurgitate what I feel that they're saying and you know stuff like that and that's how I put people in contact with the other side and stuff like that. Okay. So uh, I have to draw in light after that and sometimes after these sessions I will just be in such a stunned state where I can barely even talk and then I'll have to like go outside and like sit down in the grass for a second and just recombobulate myself. Okay, that's cool. Um, what? What was the one driving thing that really made you want to get into this? Like, did you have something in your childhood that like happened that like, I need to explore this? Or were you always like maybe into music or equipment um, growing up? What was it? Put your finger on it, Tim. Let's see. Well, I grew up in a house from the 1820s, 1830s. Okay. Um, several generations of a family had died there. Um, so I grew up with, you know, with knocks and steps and mm -hmm. stuff like that. At one point, I remember... Was it your family or a different family? My stepfather's family. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like, at one point, I remember just weird things. Like, I was in the kitchen. It's the middle of winter. My stepfather wasn't working at the time. We were poor, the utility bill was due, and I see a green spider walking up a cabinet. And as the green spider's walking up the cabinet, it goes up behind the cabinet, and I jump right up on a chair and look, because I'd never seen a green spider before. Right. It was really freaking cool. There's an envelope with the money that we needed to pay for the utilities oh, wow. that month. That's incredible. Yeah, it was just like, it just blew my mind, little things like that. And then my mother is like a super freaking Christian. I mean, uh -huh. like super Christian. Yeah. Uh -huh. So to protect herself against everything dark in the world, what she would do is little things like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm bringing in this book um, by the Warrens or by Barry Taff or Rosemary Ellen Guiley so I can learn about all these things to protect myself from. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like third grade, fourth grade, oh wow, look at these witches, these woodcuts, <laughs> demons, UFOs, aliens, just, oh my God. Drinking it in, I right? did. <laughs> I mean, we had Fate Magazine as bathroom reading material. I'm yeah. reading of spring Hill Jack when I'm like 10 years old sitting on the toilet um, so nice. I just kind of fostered that love and basically I you know always kind of dabbled and learned and dabbled mm -hmm. and learned and dabbled and learned okay. and then I cleaned the cleansed a house for somebody when I dabbled with witchcraft back in 2000 had like my first real interaction with a spirit which was kind of cool mm -hmm. and then I was fast forward to like 2008. I'm in central New York. The the front room of my house was my reading room. I had all my bookshelves there. At the time, I wasn't writing very much. I'm in the kitchen cooking, and then there's this poof, and a book lines up on the floor in the other room. It came from the top shelf, and it was a book by Dorothea Brand on writing, basically saying, pull up your bootstraps, write at a certain time every day, you gotta be writing. I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a nice message. I go back, blah, 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 about a month later, same book on the floor. Really? <laughs> I was like, okay, I really gotta put- I get the message. I really gotta put, put my finger on this. Why is this happening? Yeah. I, 
I understand all this, but I want to understand it better. So I did what anybody would do at that point in time. I went to Craigslist and looked for a ghost hunter. (laughs) And uh, I met up with this guy who had this garbage little recorder. And he's the type of guy who, if a leaf was blown across the street, he would say it was carried by demons. Yeah. One of those people. Yeah. So I decided to Google around and found this group in central New York that was uh, led by a lady named Stacy Jones, who had been in the field for a couple decades Mm. and uh, was pretty, had pretty well pretty good renown back in the mid 2000s and I joined a group uh, and then about a month later we're sitting at Rolling Hills somebody breaks out this little Radio Shack box that's just squawking a bunch of static Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it stops and says Tim Woolworth and I was sold (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's incredible it is so Okay, when you hear your name over one of these devices, it, I was like, it's like riding a roller coaster. It's like super, super scary, but once you do it, it's like, yes, let's do it again. <laughs> after, after all these years, I turn it on, it says, hi, Tim, that doesn't even register with me anymore. Yeah. I, for everybody else, like, oh my God, it said your name. I'm like, yeah, I want to hear something more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Give me the lottery numbers, right? Actually, uh, I had a lady who contacted me a couple years ago um, who wanted me to do a ghost box session for her, and she wanted me to tune into the Akashic Records to pull out the lottery numbers, <laughs> and she wanted to pay me to do a session to pull out the lottery numbers. And oh, I was just God. Like, yeah, it don't worry like you that, run into, You run into some crazy in this field. <laughs> I gotta oh, say. Yeah. Well, you run into us. Come on yeah. now. Well, that's true. That's why I've been running away for five years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Do you know of any other equipment that you don't want to keep close to something that you're using as an ITC device? Like, I know that um, if I get close to like a EM pump, I feel so weird because I don't think oh, I'm yeah, good with magnetics. Chest. Yeah, it's yeah. the chest. I, I get it too. Do you know of any, I mean, obviously something like that would be, but some equipment that maybe people are out there using that you don't think they should keep next to what they're trying to communicate with? Or? Well, for like with ghost boxes or EVP or anything like that, you got to be very cognizant of radio towers. you got to be cognizant mm, of yeah. um, walkie-talkies. You have to, I, in the early days, I used to get military channels oh, um, coming through on really? some of these devices. Wow. Yeah, you, you don't know you got to know your environment. Yeah. You also have to know when you're actually um, doing your recording because there are people who, well, it's called clear channel. So if you're on AM radio, after 11 o'clock, I think it is, if you're a radio station, you can buy the subs- bandwidth on subsequent channels. So you can get a sweep of like <clears throat> 10 channels yeah. that, that carries your frequency as opposed to just the one. So with that clear channel, all of a sudden, you know, one of the benchmarks of ITC is that, hey, I'm getting, you know, multisyllabic communication. I'm getting sentences. If you're on AM past 11 o'clock, it could be clear channel you're getting. Right. So you've really got to be careful about your environment. And that's a critical thing in all things paranormal yeah Yeah. for sure because you know (laughs) we've seen people they're talking to me i'm like dude you're 10 feet from the radio station (laughs) right it's right across the street and i like Uh. i do like i've never thought of it but you were talking about how the gentleman was actually tuning in between the stations and not letting it sweep yeah i've never thought of that because we all we're i'm just used to this spirit box right yeah that's my whole knowledge of the itc communication and i've always thought that you had to have it sweeping but you don't no you don't not at all you have to think outside the spirit box right Uh, i just made that up (laughs) (laughs) 
trademark. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. One but. thing that we had, we were at the base, I, and our listeners heard this, and oh, Jerry Joe's there talking about Joe it again. Joe goes again. But we were at the in the basement of the Toledo Police Museum. Oh yeah. And we were doing a spirit box session, and we had the the SB7, and we had our recorder, and nothing happened. We didn't get any response, and we're like, okay, well, let's play back and see what if we got anything when we played it back is when we started hearing things Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay can they hear the electronic over the human or you know it it really blew my mind because we didn't get any responses when we were talking it but when we played it on the recorder we're getting tons of stuff well also it's uh i've been doing this for 13 years I'm lucky if I pull 15 to 20% of it in real time. Okay. That's why review is absolutely critical. Right. It's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. You can think that you've got great communication, you're understanding it, and then you go back and listen, and all of a sudden there's three layers of conversation going on top of each other, like three conversations happening at once, yeah. and crazy stuff that you could never, ever pull in real time. Yeah. Do you use any certain uh, programs to analyze that information? I do. And that's one of the problems that I have with EVP and ITC, the way it's the way it's portrayed to the public. So for example, you'll see, you'll get a bunch of EVPs where it's like really pitched down slow mm-hmm. or it's been processed to the point where it's just noise. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just absolute yeah. garbage. So whenever I try to present something, I present it in its original form as recorded. And then if I did any analysis such as pitching or cleaning up the sound, I will play that afterwards so you can hear the two side by side. Okay. Okay. And that is absolutely critical because you've got to, with any type of scientific endeavor, you've got to, prove, you've got to show all the results, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So always, always try to present your evidence as originally and then as you see fit how you've modified it. And more importantly, if you're making a video, don't put the words on the bottom of the damn screen. <laughs> I know. Just play the evidence. Right. Let people interpret Play the it. evidence afterwards and then give it a black pause and say, this is what I think it says. Yeah. And then put the words on the screen. Yeah. I've done that where when I listen back, like even if it is a video, I'll close my eyes and try to listen. That way I don't see them put that up there. Yeah. Well, one as someone on the other end of the box um, who's put out a few of these videos, the problem is you can record it in 24-bit, get the best recording quality ever, and you will hear things that you're, the person at the other end of the box who's on YouTube listening through a crappy computer speaker on a video that's been completely compressed down, and all of a sudden you look like a jackass pulling all this stuff out because it's no, there's no way they're going to hear it on the other end. Yeah. So that's why you'll have like a website where you put the original audio up so they can hear it as a list. But people who are just YouTube surfing looking for this evidence... I mean, half the stuff that people are putting on the screen, you're never going to hear because it's so damn compressed. Yeah, I never thought of that either. See, I'm learning stuff. Joe, I'm you're learning being schooled. Stuff. <laughs> We're in the Tim Warburg School of ITC. ITC communication. So now you got to pay him 20 bucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if anybody wanted to check out your, your um, information, Tim, or what you have done, where can they go? Um, I'm, I strip at a club every Friday in Bring Ann Arbor. Bring your singles. Yes, yes. bring your Make singles. Make it rain. Um, 
but 20s only. Most of my ITC stuff was has been published on ITC Voices, which is a site I originally put up in April of 2010. It's been severely neglected over the last couple of years because I reached out and started a new endeavor called Paranormal Study. Because I study all things Fortean, uh, all things high strangeness, and uh, ITC Voices was just very niche, and yeah. I couldn't really go out from there. So now I'm just basically focusing on paranormal study at these this day and age. Both paranormal study and ITC Voices have active sites that are up and running. They have their uh, Facebook pages, which I'm pretty active on. Or you can always find me on Facebook. I'm one of those guys who's on there frequently just, you know, just looking at cat videos. Looking at cat videos <laughs> and uh, edge lording a bunch of memes for the hell of it to break up your day. Hearing a cat go, meow, 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 and you're like, it said it's a demon. (laughs) 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 All right. That and a meme, right? No, we really, honestly, truly, we appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been a long time coming. So interested in what you're doing. I think it's fascinating and groundbreaking um, what you're doing with the ITC. So thank you for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure, guys. Sharing it with all the listeners, our three listeners. All three? (laughs) All three of them. Larry, Curly, and Mo? Yes. And in the realm of ITC and phones, let's leave with some Dead in 5 Decepticon. Because we all know our phones are the Decepticon. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. You're my distraction, I'm in